This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and wholehogsports.com. It's game week, finally. Arkansas and Western Carolina, Saturday at noon, kickoff at War Memorial Stadium. The kickoff time changed on Monday of this week due to the heat, the humidity, everything that's uh, in the forecast on Saturday down in Little Rock. So the Razorbacks and the Catamounts won't be kicking off at 3. They'll be kicking off at noon. It'll still be streamed on ESPN+, Plus, SEC Network+. Plus. Uh, we'll get into what went into making that decision here a little bit later on the Whole Hog Football Podcast with Scotty Bordelon and Matt Jones. Scotty, the, the big news on Monday was twofold. Number one, the time change. Number two, uh, the depth chart. We finally have a depth chart for the Razorbacks going into this season opener. Uh, but there's still some positions that are unsettled. And you wrote about that Monday. So let's go through the positions that we don't know who the starter is going to be and maybe break down who we think is going to be out there. You know, I think number one, the position that stands out to me is left tackle where Devin Manuel came out of the spring. He was the leading, uh, you know, the leading candidate to be their left tackle. He's been injured during the preseason, suffered a concussion uh, early in the preseason that kept him out for about a week. He came back. Uh, then injured himself. I'm not sure what that injury was. I think, you it, was might an know. An I think it was yeah. an ankle in the second scrimmage. I was thinking so. I, I was thinking maybe he turned an ankle. Uh, so it's it's him and it's Andrew Chambly, who Sam Pittman has been really high on in his comments to us over the past 10 days or so. What do you think is going to happen at left tackle for the first series? Yeah, I, I think at this point, you know, if you looked at the observations that I had yesterday, you know, they went through the fastball start, which gives you a pretty good indication of, you know, sometimes uh, how healthy a guy is. And Devin Manuel was out there, but Andrew Chambly was with the ones. Um, now, again, it's Monday. And I just I want to say this, like the depth chart that's in the game notes would not take it as gospel. And I also want to say, like, if a guy is not listed in the fastball start, that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with him necessarily. Like it could, like there could be like with, with, with Devin Manuel, like he's not in the fastball start because he's not healthy enough. He wasn't healthy enough to go through it for a while. Um, But like sometimes guys like Rocket Sanders and AJ Green, they're not in there because the coaches opt to give those reps to like a Rashad Dubinian Mm -hmm. or an Isaiah Augustov, um, Dominic Johnson, those guys. Um, you know what you got with Rocket Sanders? Why put him yes, through that? Yes, absolutely. Drill? Yeah, I think it's just kind of taking some of the 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 workload off of him mm-hmm. each day. Uh, you want him as fresh as possible uh, for Saturday. Obviously, him and AJ and and several guys. Um, if I like, if I had to guess, given that Devin Manuel was out there yesterday, um, and obviously we don't know what else he did the rest of that practice because we were there for four periods, but I think if Devin Manuel's healthy enough, I think he's going to play. I think it's a pretty good indication. I think he might start. Um, I think it's a pretty good indication that he's okay because he was back out there yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and you know, maybe trying to knock some of the rust off. Maybe not against the first team yet, but the second team is still going to give him, you know, given the depth on the D-line, they're still going to give him uh, pretty good looks and and maybe knock that rust off pretty quick. I would probably go with Devin Manuel. Uh, if he's healthy, but I think Chambly is going to play plenty on um, on on Saturdays. I think Sam and Cody Kennedy they want those those young and kind of inexperienced tackles to get as much playing time as possible these first few weeks under their belt before 
um, you know, bullets start really flying week three with BYU. I've got two thoughts on this. Number one is that the fact that Devin Manuel has missed so many practices this preseason makes mm-hmm. me a little unsure if he'll start. I think he'll play. But the fact that Chambly's had so much experience with this first team line over the past couple of weeks makes me think that maybe he'll trot out there with the ones. That said, I would not be surprised to see both of them get some series with the rest yeah. of the first team offensive line just to see how it goes in a game setting. You know, how do they, you can, I mean, you can practice all you want to, but, you know, like you said, when the bullets are flying, sometimes you, you perform a little bit differently. And so I kind of think we might see both of them rotate with the ones, at least in the first half to see how things are going. And then at that point, you know, what's the game look like? Is it out of hand? Is it a, a, a tight game? Is it like rice two years ago in the season opener where it was a lot closer than, than anybody thought it would be at halftime. So I think you'll probably see both of them play with the ones. That's just a gut feeling. No, no inside information there, just a gut feeling uh, that you might see both of them play there. Uh, Another position that's kind of interesting where they've got an and or listed for the starter is Isaiah Satania and Jaden Wilson at the slot receiver. Yeah, I think Isaiah Satania is the guy there. And I say that because I've been to practice and the kids been impressive this this preseason getting off the line quick and then when the ball I mean he's really good at getting out of his breaks creating separation I think just because of that quickness that he's got everybody loves to talk about you know his, his track speed and stuff but I think his short area quickness is is really good I think he's stronger than he was last year um and you know he's a guy that's going to be counted on for a lot too because he's I mean he's the top dog at, at kickoff return and punt return and he's a you know could be a first team receiver I, I, I expect him to be um, ju- I expect him to be twofold because he had a good camp, I think. And Jaden Wilson last week, it looked like he injured his shoulder. He was, he'd been wearing a green, no contact Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, in practice. Um, I wasn't there the day that he got injured, but talking to the people that were there, it sounds like he's pretty lucky that it's just kind of like a, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily know if it's a minor injury, but I think mm-hmm. if he's listed as a potential starter, uh, something they could come back from, but it sounded like it was pretty nasty, and maybe he got um, pretty fortunate with you know in that collision. But I think Jaden, I think Jaden's a, a solid option uh, at receiver. But I would definitely go with with Satania. I think he just, I think he as a whole bring brings more to the table right now. This was the position where we thought Sam Mbake might be starting this yeah. year, and then he injures himself, and and that. I think elevated Satania. I think Satania was going to be battling Mbake for the starting position regardless. But I think the fact that it, it, it felt a few weeks ago, like it was Mbake or Satania. And so I I'm with you. I think that Isaiah will probably go out there with the ones, but again, you're going to have to have more than three wide receivers. You're going to have to have a rotation Definitely. of receivers that, that can perform. So it doesn't necessarily matter who starts, uh, you know, the fact that both of them are listed as potential starters tells you, I think that they're going to be, playing quite a bit in this game uh, at linebacker you've got Chris Paul or Jaheim Thomas I think if all things were equal and Chris Paul was healthy he would be the no doubt starter here but he's been dealing with an MCL injury throughout the preseason yeah I think that it sounds like that injury happened around the first scrimmage of camp so I would say sometime around the August 12th date I think that was the day of the first scrimmage um didn't take part in that, but Sam said, like, if they had a day, if they had, if they'd had a game that day that Chris could have played. Mm-hmm. Um, and his dad has, has said as much to me too that, like, you know, if, if 
there was a game that day he's playing. Um, he did when Chris came, he did come back to practice um, a little bit later. You could tell just the way that he was moving that it, maybe it was the the knee was in his head a little bit. Um, he came out one day. I think he had his had that knee wrapped up really good. Had a, a sleeve over it. Now he's kind of transitioned to a brace, and it seems like he's a lot more um, maybe comfortable with with the and confident in, in moving on that knee again. I I was that made yeah this one maybe surprised me. Uh, I don't know if it surprised me the most. Uh, we'll get to that one probably later, but um, I think Chris, I think Pooh is going to play a lot this weekend. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked, and Sam said this yesterday, if Pooh and Jaheim Thomas are the first team guys, mm-hmm. and Jordan Crook, you know, maybe replaces one of them. But I think, you know, whether you throw Pooh, Jaheim, or Jordan Crook out there, I, I feel good with any of those guys, you know, yeah. playing plenty of snaps for me. Last year, they had such an issue, I think, with their linebackers having to play too many snaps. I mean, Drew Sanders and Bumper Pool, I think at one point, pretty significantly deep into the season, they were both playing something like 94, 95% plus of the snaps. And so I'm interested to see, you know, what's the the linebacker rotation going to look like? Do they have more than just the two that you feel like you can count on? It was late last year, whenever Chris Paul really started to maybe flash a little bit more. He mm-hmm. showed some, he showed, I guess maybe he showed some flashes early in the season, but it was later in the year when when bumper pull couldn't go as much that you really saw, hey, this guy can carry a little bit more of a workload. Do they have, you know, a fourth, a fifth linebacker who can come in and take some pressure off of these three, Thomas, Paul, and Crook, who we think are probably going to play the most snaps. They've got a couple of freshmen like Brad Spence, who's second team behind Crook, who they've been really impressed with. Uh, the other notable or in the depth chart, is it safety Hudson Clark or Jaden Johnson? And you and I both think that they're going to play a lot. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Hudson Clark, I think, gets like a bad rap a lot, and it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy to me um, because like the 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 past de- defense was so bad last year, but Hudson Clark was like far from the issue there, and I think we. I think we understand that. Like the, the I think the big time issues in that secondary are gone now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hudson Clark, like, if you looked at, I know, like, we don't really write about the USA Today all SEC stuff uh, when those awards come out. But Hudson Clark was a first teamer by USA Today. Hmm. I mean, that's not nothing. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Led the team in pass breakups. Um, one of the best coverage grades on the team, if you look at pro football focus. So I think he's a guy that you can trust. He's a, he's, I mean, redshirt senior now, Matt, like it feels like he's been in that secondary around for a long time. Got good experience. I think people underestimate his athleticism and his ability to, to, you know, bat down passes. I think, I don't think you can lead a team in PBUs. I think he had 11 last year without, you know, being athletic, um, but Jaden Johnson, I think, has maybe been one of the, to me, maybe one of the surprises of camp. Um, was standing on the sideline at one of the practices last week, and Sam Pittman came over and he said, "You know who I really like is eight. He's had a really good camp." And then I think you know, thirteen's had a really good camp too. He's talking about Al Walcott, mm-hmm. uh, Baylor transfer. He really likes those two guys, um, and so maybe it's. Maybe it shouldn't be surprised, you know, that there's an or there. Um, and maybe a way to get Jaden Johnson on the field early in the, you know, early this season is to have him 
play that safety spot and maybe you move a uh, Hudson Clark to maybe a backup nickel where he was working at practice yesterday. So um, on Monday, so it, yeah, interesting with, with Hudson Clark and Jaden Johnson. I think they've both been pretty good in camp. I just want to run through the depth chart right here for people who haven't seen it. Uh, we'll start with offense quarterback, KJ Jefferson, no surprise there running back rocket Sanders tight end Luke has a freshman, maybe a little bit of a surprise to some people, but if you've been watching practice closely, uh, you've seen this since day one. He's been out there working with the first team, and he seems... makes plays as consistently as guys like Andrew Armstrong and and Isaac Tesla. He's mm -hmm. been he's been great since he got here. Tesla and Armstrong, two of the receivers we mentioned, Satania or Jaden Wilson at that slot receiver position, left tackle. We don't know if it'll be Chambly or Emmanuel. The rest of the offensive line is set: Brady Latham at left guard, Bo Limmer at center. Josh Braun at right guard. He's a transfer from Florida. And Patrick Kudis will be the right tackle. On defense, you've got Landon Jackson and Trajan Jeffcoat on opposite ends at defensive end. They'd kind of been working one-two behind each other at the same position, but now, yeah, and I think this is this is the right way to handle it. They've been so good this preseason. You get both of them on the field together. Uh, you know, really put more stress on the offensive line, trying to block both of those players as pass rushers. Torian Carter going to be one of the defensive tackles. Eric Gregory will be the other. We think we're going to see a, a real deep rotation on the defensive line, probably eight, nine, ten players deep. Linebacker, we mentioned Chris Paul or Jaheen Thomas at one position. Jordan Crook listed as a starter at the other. The corner spots are Dwight McLaughlin and Jaheim Singletary. If you don't know about Singletary, he transferred in from Georgia. Uh, the coaches really like what he's shown. At safety, Al Walcott, a Baylor transfer. We mentioned uh, the other safety position, Hudson Clark or Jaden Johnson. And at nickel, Lorando Johnson, better known as Snacks, another transfer from Baylor. What stands out to you on defense? Uh, I like having Landon Jackson and Trajan Jeffcoat on, on the ends. I think that that right there helps you get two of your better players um, on the field at the same time instead of, like, staggering them potentially. Mm -hmm. I mean – I wouldn't want to be the tackles that have to go up against those guys. That is a lot of size and athleticism and power. Um, to me, I don't know that this is going to be like real earth shattering, but behind Snacks Johnson at nickel, you've got a true freshman in TJ Metcalf and Jalen Lewis behind him. I thought Jalen Lewis had a pretty good camp. I remember one day he was breaking up passes left and right, whether it was in fastball uh, there was one day, I think it was the same day, he laid out somebody in like a um, a bubble coverage drill that they did early in practice, kind of set the tone for physicality tone that day. And then he broke up a bunch of passes and like that wide receiver DB drill in the red zone. Um, so if TJ Metcalf is ahead of Jalen Lewis, I think at this nickel spot, I think that speaks really well of, of a kid that, you know, hasn't been here you know, very long, but mm -hmm. um, I think he's obviously making a, a pretty good impression. He, he looks like he's one play away potentially from being in there. I don't know, you know, if you could, if something were to happen to snacks, it might be an instance where, like I mentioned earlier, Hudson Clark was working there yesterday on, on Monday uh, with the second group. So maybe he moves to nickel, but TJ's, I mean, but if you look just at the depth chart, he's a play away from, from being a guy that, that, that contributes right away. I think that's big for him. Special teams, kicker and kickoff is going to be Cam Little. He's going to handle all of those duties this year. Punter, Max Fletcher, he was in a battle with Devin Bale during the preseason. Again, may not surprise to see both of them, depending on, you know, does, does one maybe handle a certain type of punt better than another? Uh, we, we saw that last year where we, there were multiple punters in a game. Long snapper going to be Eli Stein. 
holder, Fletcher, the punter. We've seen that with Scott Fountain, that he likes to have his punter as the holder on field goal and extra point attempts. Kickoff return, Isaiah Satania and A.J. Green. No surprise there, two of the fastest, if not the two fastest players on the team. Satania had a kickoff return for a touchdown during a scrimmage a couple of weeks back. And at punt return, maybe a little bit of a surprise, Isaiah Satania over Bryce Stevens. You know, Stevens had that big punt return for a touchdown against Missouri State last year that helped change that game. I'm going to tell you, I, I have seen Isaiah Satania play every snap in a in a football game since 2019. I call the Fayetteville High School games, and so I saw all of his games in high school. This was one area where I felt like he was not as strong in high school was at punt return. Handled, didn't handle the the punts so well sometimes to the point that I can't remember if it was his junior or senior season, but they made a change uh, to a different punt return man because there were some bobbled punts. And so that kind of surprised me maybe a little bit, but I also think it maybe shows that he has grown up in that punt return area. Maybe he's fielding those kicks better. The, the, the This is clear with Satania. If he fields it cleanly and he's got blockers in front of him, hold your breath because it could be a fun ride. Yeah, he's got incredible speed. And I think the fact that he's sitting there at punt return as the number as the top option there over the guy that you know he was Bryce Stevens punt return last year. Was that the first one since Joe Adams in like I believe so. Yeah. Since like two thousand eleven or something, two thousand twelve yeah. maybe. Yeah, that's uh, I think it was the bowl game, well. the Kansas State bowl right. game, Katrina's last game. Yeah, yeah, I knew it, it, it had been a while. Um, I think that you know, Isaiah being ahead of a guy that you know has got some know how, um, already in college, in, in a college game, in high pressure situations, I think that that kind of speaks well for him, too. Um, yeah, it's always good to have speed back there. And, and Sam was asked about, um, Satania kind of double doubling up on those duties. And Sam just said he's been, he was most consistent, you know, catching the football. I think that's, that's the number one thing that your punt returner has to do if he's able, um, catch the ball. Like you just got it. You got to be sure handed. Um, that's a, that's a big responsibility for, for a kid that's, a, that's going into his redshirt freshman year. But I think, I think he'll be able to handle it. Okay. I mean, Satania, here's all you need to know about Satania. When he was in high school, he ran track, obviously he runs track for the Razorbacks too. I can't remember what the two events were, but it was like a sprint event and then a hurdle event and they were back to back and he ran them both and won both at the state meet. And so that just kind of tells you, you know, from a workload, all you need to know about him, he can, he can do it. And I, I think that there's a, a good ability for him to, to handle a lot on the football field. The whole Hawk football podcast is sponsored by Kindle King design display signage, Kindle King.com. That's K E N D A L K I N G.com. The Kindle King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omnichannel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! Stay on top of all Arkansas Razorback sports with a Digital Plus subscription on the Hogs Illustrated app. Get complete Razorbacks coverage in one location. 
Your subscription gives you 20-plus issues of Hogs Illustrated Magazine, the most unique and compelling coverage anywhere in the state, plus total access to all the content on WholeHogSports.com, including breaking news, commentaries, analysis, features, recruiting, award-winning photos, and premium message boards. Subscriptions start at just $17 per month. Join the Hog Sports Network team at subscribe.waco.com. That's subscribe.wehco.com. Or call 479-684-5509 to get your front row seat to Arkansas Razorback Sports. Go Hogs! We mentioned at the outset the kickoff time has been changed for Saturday's game between the Razorbacks and Western Carolina. Moved ahead to noon. Uh, The forecast in Little Rock on Saturday, 95 with humidity, which would make the heat index closer uh, to 100, 97, 98, somewhere in there. Not as hot as it was last week when you had a a ton of games at at all levels, whether it be Razorback soccer was rescheduling their games. High school football games were getting rescheduled all over the place. It's not going to be quite that hot, but it's not going to be too far behind either. And so the decision was made to move earlier in the day you know, this time of year, it's it feels like it's the hottest of the day, right around that three to maybe seven o'clock time frame, and so you you played a little bit late, earlier in the day. It's still going to be hot. Sun's going to be right over the top of you. Uh, a stadium like War Memorial, there's not a lot of ways to get away from that with those aluminum bleachers all over the place, and so you know you you might see attendance affected by this a little bit. But the there there were two options basically. You could either move forward to noon, or you could move it backward to six seven o'clock. And that was a non-starter for Sam Pittman because he doesn't want the team getting back at two o'clock in the morning. It's a three-hour bus ride to and from Little Rock. They're going to ride a bus there. We've seen different coaches handle it some ways. Brett Bielema would bus the team there and they'd fly back home. We've seen coaches in the past fly there and fly back. Pittman says that he's going to bus the team there, bus them back. And so because of that, they're going to play a noon game, wants them back earlier in the evening because they've got a lot of road trips coming up. And an off week doesn't occur on the schedule until late October. I know that's ruffled some people's feathers because this is the only Little Rock game of the year. It's the first one that they've had there in almost two years. People will say, hey, you know, you're 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 kind of killing the Little Rock vibe. Number one, you kill it by the type of opponents you bring here. Now you're not going to let us have the tailgate. Totally understandable. But I think if you're Arkansas, you're you're just trying to do what you think is best for your team. And, you know, you kind of have to live with maybe the negative PR. Yeah, just start your tailgate like 6 or 7 a.m. and get the mimosas <laughs> going or the screwdrivers or whatever it is you do. Um, it, it makes sense to me, I think. And especially if you look at it from like the way that Sam sees it, where, you know, would it be great or would it be cool for the fans to have a 6 or 7 o'clock game at War Memorial? I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think attendance would pick up. If it was if it were a night game, mm-hmm. allows people more time to get there um, and get lathered up, as, as Sam has said in the past. But Sam's thinking about, you know, all these trips that he's got, you know, him and his guys have got to make earlier in the year. And, you know, he's trying to save save their bodies as much as possible. Like if you get back, you get back earlier, you know, you can start like that, that rehab and recovery process for for the next game. Um and he's all about saving bodies. And, you know, if, if Sam and them get back seven or eight o'clock on Saturday, you know, like they're hopefully, you know, I think they're shooting for, um, you know, going to be able to get back and, and watch some games. And I don't know that you necessarily get into like scouting future opponents or whatnot, but um, 
the opportunities there if you want to take it. But I am I'm cool with the with the with the noon start, um, just from a personal perspective. Like I gotta, you know, leave Fayetteville early in the morning, but hopefully get back to to watch some of those primetime games. And fan, fans will have that that same opportunity, I'm sure. You know, I wrote a column yesterday that's going to run in our next magazine, and the the premise of it is that I feel like we're kind of at a pivotal point with Arkansas and its relationship with War Memorial Stadium. There's two games left on the schedule or on the contract after this weekend's game against Western Carolina. They're going to open the 24 season there against UAPB, and they've got the game scheduled against Arkansas State in 2025. And I don't know that there's a good answer about what to do with War Memorial Stadium. I don't know, I don't know that there's been a good answer about what to do about War Memorial for the last 25 years since you know the, the debate really popped up in the late 90s about – moving more games to Fayetteville. What we've seen is that every round of contract negotiations, if you will, has diminished the War Memorial influence on the Arkansas schedule. It just has. It went from there used to be three, four games a year, down to two games a year, down to one game a year. Now it's not even an, an annual event anymore. And But I, I don't know what the, the right answer is there because I know how much of a – you know, someone had a, a great post on our message board this week. He said, I know that War Memorial's crumbling. I know it's not up to par with the rest of the SEC. He said, but I love that place like a Cubs fan loves Wrigley Field. And there are a lot of people who still hold the stadium in that type of reverence. But I will say, I think that that group is becoming less and less uh, for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe, you know, that older generation that loved War Memorial so much is – is dying off and and now the the fans that kind of populate this fan base it it doesn't hold the same sway with them uh, that it did for for the older generations i think really the the telltale sign for war memorial stadium is when you look across the way from the press box at the student section students don't show up for the game at war memorial anymore it right. doesn't matter if it's an sec game more will show up for an sec game but it's just not what it used to be. I mean, it used to be that you'd pack up the car and five or six of you would go down to central Arkansas and you'd stay at mom's house in Bryant or Conway or Cabot and you'd go to the game and you'd spend a whole weekend in Little Rock. You're not seeing that anymore. And I think some of that has to do with the different dynamics of, of the student population in Fayetteville. You, know, you got a lot more students coming in from Tulsa and Kansas City and Dallas and Oklahoma City and St. Louis. And so the Little Rock experience is not something that they want to experience especially on a weekend like Labor Day, you know, they're not going to go to Little Rock and watch the Razorbacks. They're going to go back home to Dallas. They're going to go back home to Kansas City. Um, but I, I also think that you lose something if you don't have War Memorial Stadium in your plans if you're the the Razorback football team, just because it is such a, a really unique experience down there. Um, you know, I wrote in this column that Alabama and Auburn and Ole Miss and Mississippi State, they all dumped their games in Birmingham and in Jackson you know, in the 1990s and the early 2000s. And I don't think any of them have missed it, but I do think that, you know, especially with Alabama and Legion Field, there's something that was lost a little bit in not playing there. So, you know, like I say, I don't know what the right answer is for War Memorial Stadium, but I know that it does feel like we're reaching a pivotal point because we're getting near the end of that contract. And, you know, I just, the fact that people aren't showing up for these games makes me think that the end may be near for that stadium because the games aren't going to get any better in Little Rock. They're not going to play Arkansas State there on an annual basis like some people hope that they will. That's not going to happen. I can guarantee you that. 
an SEC game's not coming back to War Memorial. So it's going to be these types of games against Western Carolina, against UAPB, and you're going to have to decide, do you want War Memorial Stadium so bad that you're going to attend those, or are you going to stay away from War Memorial Stadium and have attendances of 33, 35, 38,000 and risk losing that event on a Razorback football schedule? And I kind of feel like that's where we are. Yeah, and I'll I'll be the first to say like I'm the I'm the last person that should should give input on this um and what what should be done. But like to your point, like the games have changed a lot there. And I remember like even when I was in college from you know gosh, I guess 2011 through the 20, 2014 season I guess was the mm-hmm. last season of my college career. Like me and my buddies would go down to where I grew up in Sparkman and we'd stay, we'd drive down as soon as everybody got out of class, go down to my, to my house, stay the night there. And then we'd drive back up to Little Rock and made a weekend out of it. It was, it was a really good time, but I think the ease with, you know, staying put in Fayetteville and watching the game on TV and having something like having a watch party at your house. I think that's the ease of watching those games beats, you know, the traveling down there and, you know um what it costs to to have a good time down there you can just have your good time up here and then save the gas um it it has changed and it 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 kind of stinks cuz like i remember going to to games in war memorial when i was little i mean growing up in south arkansas those are the those are the easiest games to get to i don't remember honestly i think i went to one game in fayetteville um when i was growing up you know before college and i think it was like we were part of like an fca night in, in Fayetteville. So it was kind of one of those deals, but little rock games are what I grew up going to. Um, and I actually decided I was going to go to school in Fayetteville after going to a game in little rock. Um, just because I loved the, loved the, the atmosphere at the time, you know, it was like 2009, 2010, it was kind of the tailgate scene was crazy. And I'm just like, if they're doing this down here, then college is going to be a great time. And so I kind of decided that, but yeah, it kind of stinks to see what it, it's gotten to. And I do hope people come out um, to the game and just, you know, kind of make it. And I, I saw David Basil yesterday at, at the touchdown club. He's kind of playing with people to, you know, fill the stands, you know, take somebody that hasn't been to a game in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just kind of make it a memory. I, I I still remember pretty vividly those memories of going to War Memorial. And, um, yeah, it would kind of stink if, if it did go away. A lot of great memories down there. You know, the first first game I ever went to in Little Rock was Arkansas LSU in 2002, the Miracle on Markham. So that set a high bar for War Memorial Stadium, and it lived up to it for a long time. I mean, you, you go back there for other LSU games, or there were some great games against uh, – or some great atmospheres. I don't know if the games were really that great, but against Mississippi State down there. It just seems like somewhere about, I don't know, maybe Brett Bielema's second year, uh, the Toledo game is, is one that stands out. I know that was his third year. It seems like that was kind of kind of the end of, of peak war memorial because, you know, you play Alcorn State the next year and you play Florida A&M the next year on a Thursday night. They got Ole Miss back there in 2018, but it rained to the point that it kept a lot of people away. 2019, they're terrible. Nobody comes for the Missouri game. And it just seems like over time, maybe that, that zeal for games in Little Rock has, has been lost. And I don't know that it's. I don't know that it can come back, uh, but uh, Arkansas is going to start the season down there. They've got a chance to have a. a they've got a chance maybe to save War Memorial with the attendance, but based on what I'm told about ticket sales right now, 
I just don't think uh, that that this is going to be one of those games that, that stands out. It's going to be one of those. It's a little bit of an eyesore, to be honest with you, on TV, I think, where you're only looking at maybe somewhere around three-fourths to three-fifths of the stadium being full. Maybe things change as the week goes along and there's a, a big ticket buying campaign. But, uh, you know, if, if recent years are any indication, I just don't think that's going to be the case. But Arkansas and Western Carolina will kick off at noon on Saturday. Just a reminder, this game is on ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus. So you're not going to be able to access this game on a traditional television lineup if you're watching on your sling or your direct TV or your cable box or whatever the case might be. Uh, you're going to have to go in through the ESPN app and watch this. If you go to uh, our YouTube page, we've got a tutorial there from a couple of years ago when Arkansas played Rice that shows you how to access this if you've never uh, gone through and accessed the the espn app it's a it's a good step-by-step tutorial that'll, that'll kind of show you how to find the game if you've ever watched the razorback baseball game or if you've ever watched all the razorback baseball games you're well versed in this they play a ton of their games on sec network plus uh, this one will be the only football game that's on espn plus and sec network plus i say espn plus because if you have an espn plus subscription you can also access this game or you can access it without an ESPN Plus subscription. So long as you have the SEC network, you just got to link your uh, your carrier credentials with your ESPN account. That's very complicated. I hope you'll go watch that YouTube video uh, just in, in case you've got any uh, curiosity about or, or questions about how to watch this game. Noon kickoff on ESPN Plus, SEC Network Plus will be having another podcast on Thursday where we look a little bit more at Western Carolina. I'm hopeful that Ethan Westerman will be on here with us. He wrote a scouting report about Western Carolina this week. Uh, and then he's kind of well-versed on Western Carolina. In fact, when Sam Pittman was going through Western Carolina's really good players during his Monday news conference, Ethan said that, you know, he kept thinking, oh, okay, he's going to say this guy next. He's going to say this guy next. And so Ethan's really done his homework on the Catamounts and he'll have a look at them on our Thursday podcast. Hope you'll go to wholehogsports.com before then. And for Scotty Bordelon, I'm Matt Jones. We'll see you next time on the Whole Hog Football Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.